0: Welcome to the Bethlehem Lutheran Church Podcast. To find out more about our community, go to our website at BethlehemLutheran.net or find us on Facebook as Bethlehem Granada Hills. This podcast is from Sunday, October 6, 2019. We have for you a choral rendition of If You Had Faith, arranged by Rory Conney and Beth Lederman. Followed by a sermon by Pastor Megan Freiling on Second Timothy chapter one verses one through fourteen. You are welcome to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at nine or eleven AM. Enjoy our podcast.
1: recently started reading a new book it's a book that was written by Shea Tuttle who's one of my very gifted classmates and friends from college and the book is titled exactly as you are the life and faith of Mr. Rogers as you know there's a new movie coming out so Mr. Rogers is the very popular thing to talk and write about these days Now, I grew up watching the PBS kids' show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Is everybody here familiar with that show? Anybody watch it? So it's one of the few shows that I watched that I still remember, even from back when I was tiny. It had an impact on my life. Learning from Mr. Rogers about how crayons were made in the crayon factory, that was my favorite as a kid. (laughs) But also learning how to share hearing him say that I'm loved and that everybody else around me is lovable too, those were huge and very formative lessons for me. Now, it wasn't until much later in my life, probably within the last five years or so even, that I realized that Fred Rogers is actually an ordained Presbyterian minister. And that's when I began to realize how much Christian faith and understanding I actually got from watching that show. Mr. Rogers was sharing Jesus' love and grace with me through music and through puppets. Now, the beginning of Shay Tuttle's book talks about Fred Rogers' early days and how they impacted the path that he took in his life, that church and community were very important to his family and the people around him when he was a child. His early formation and life of faith are a large part about what led him to seek a way to positively impact children everywhere through his television show. Shea writes that people who study theology or liturgy or religious education like to use the word formation to talk about how the things we do again and again, kneel, sing, pray, receive the bread and wine, actually shape us into who we are. We are molded by our actions and our rituals. We, um, the shape we take in each moment has everything to do with what we have spent all of our previous moments doing. So she's saying that for Fred Rogers coming to church, experiencing the community there, experiencing the singing, praying, communion... These were formative things for him. And these same things are formative for us as well. Hearing the grace and forgiveness of Christ each week. Hearing it over and over and over again. That shapes us. The people in our lives who bring us into relationship with the Christian community have an incredible impact on us. And this morning, as we read from 2 Timothy, we heard about the way that other people have had an important part to play in the life of Timothy. In this letter, the author, who is either the Apostle Paul or, more likely, another author invoking Pauline authority and tradition, recalls the rich heritage of faith in which Timothy was raised. Timothy, the author points out, was raised in the faith by his mother and his grandmother. They came before him. They guided him. They inspired him. Their faithful lives encouraged him. They were an essential part of his formation and how he grew and lived out his faith. Now, this faith that Timothy had did not come from his mother or his grandmother. That very faith comes from God. And then God placed these women in his life. God also put the author of this letter in his life. God provided him with a support system that included family members, church members, friends, mentors. Timothy himself knows that it is not easy to live a life of faith and strength. And the verses of this very letter are written to give him strength, to remind him to be brave, to not be ashamed of the gospel, and to keep going amid setbacks, discouragement, and frustrations. Today, we know these same sorts of difficulties. We know that things are not always easy. We know that the world is full of people who will tear you down, people who will bring out the worst in you, who will provoke you to hostile reactions. In life, there may be people you encounter who don't like you because of what you look like, who you're married to, where you live, where you go to church, or even that you're religious at all. We all have had times when we have felt hurt or pushed down, And these experiences can leave us feeling angry, scared, or lonely. Sometimes these negative encounters make it seem hard for us to love and care for other people. We feel bitter or sometimes just mad at the world. But then, like Timothy, we are reminded of all of those other people in our lives. The author reminds Timothy of his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. Even when things may seem to be at their worst, Timothy can look back to the faith of these women in his family. He can hear the words of this letter. He can know that the risen Christ is present with him in these very people. Now, they're not perfect people, of course. But even so, God works through them to bring out that faith that is already present in Timothy. Their examples, their support, their faith keep him going even in the face of all these challenges in the church and in the world. So then I ask you this morning, who are these kinds of people for you in your life? Who has inspired you? Who has been a deep part of your own faith formation Who supports you in your faith? Was there an important Sunday school teacher at some point? A youth group leader? A pastor? Maybe it's your mother, father, spouse, cousin, sibling, or your best friend. Sometimes the kindness and inspiration even come from those that you would least expect. Sometimes someone you hardly know can be a part of your history of faithful people. I know for me that list of people is long, and yes, it does include people I've never actually met, like Mr. Rogers himself, but my list also includes a large number of other people who have been incredibly important to me. On that list there is a man named Ernie Moore. Now, When I was growing up in Michigan, Ernie was a member of the church that my family attended. He had retired at some point when I was young and and moved to the area and became a member of the church there. And for as long as I can remember, he was an important part of my own faith formation. From him, I learned the importance of asking someone how they're doing and then actually really sitting and listening to them. Ernie sent cards to everybody in the congregation whenever they were in the local news or the newspaper. He must have had a subscription to everything and spent hours in front of public access TV. But he kept track of it all. He would write cards for people who, when they volunteered for something, uh, when he heard that they did well on a work project when people made the dean's list in college or graduated from high school or if their baseball team made the playoffs. And then because he was retired, he had all of this time to support the kids, especially in the church. He would show up to every art show and every sporting event he could get to. He supported me through prayer and through cards when I was a kid and then even when I grew up and moved away. He supported me in seminary and then up until he died, which happened the year after I moved out here to California. And after I heard the news of his passing, I got online and I reached out to other people who had grown up with me in the church. They had all moved all over the place by now. There were people in Maine, Chicago, Michigan, everywhere. But everybody had stories about he, how he had been an important part of showing them what a faithful life can look like. He had inspired them to do things, to mentor others, to teach, to care for people, to pray. He had such an impact on people. And surely in your own life, you can think of someone like that. Someone who has had such an impact on you. And these are the kinds of people who help us along in our lives. These are the kinds of people who know what it is to share the gospel message both in word and action. And you and I are a part of this. We've all been changed and influenced by other people for the better. And we all have the opportunity to be that person for someone else. We are a part of something bigger. We are a part of something in the lives of everyone we touch. And as imperfect as we all may be, God has given us all faith. And that faith is powerful. As small as our faith may feel sometimes, maybe sometimes it feels as small as a mustard seed, right? As small as that may be, it is enough. By the grace of God, we too live and speak the gospel message as we treat each other with love and care, as we support each other in both the celebratory and wonderful times and the difficult times as well. We are able to be an example for others of how through faith God can do amazing things with even the most ordinary people. Now, this morning at our 9 a.m. worship, we had quite a celebration as little Shea Gleason, who just turned four years old, was baptized. Now, his family brought him here to this church to be baptized as a part of this community. And that is a beautiful and powerful thing. Because through baptism, we are all brought together into one family. In baptism, promises are made, promises by parents and sponsors. Those parents and sponsors promise to bring the, bring the baptized to worship, to nurture them in faith and prayer, to help them learn to care for others, to care for God's creation, and to work for justice and peace. But then also the entire congregation makes a promise to the baptized. Baptized. A promise to pray for them and support them in their new life in Christ. And the congregation, all of us, we respond and say that we will do this because we all recognize our part in uplifting and supporting each other in faith. We recognize that when we struggle to follow God's will, we are not alone. And that this struggle has been something that Christians have faced since the very beginning. But that in the midst of that kind of struggle, we are reminded that we're all here for each other. We are here to tend and guide each other. We are here to struggle together, to rely on God together, to pray for each other, and to live out this holy calling together. As the author of 2 Timothy writes, Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. As a community, we make promises to each other. We make promises to each other as baptized Christian family members. with the faith given to us by God, the faith that even when small, is great enough to do miraculous things. May we always remind each other of what it means to live in a way that shows the wisdom and joy of the Spirit, the love of God, and the light of Christ. Amen.